You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Well, good morning, Real Life. Good morning, family joining us online. Good, good to have you guys with us here today also. If you don't know who I am, my name is Adam McKeldry, and I have the pleasure of serving on staff here as the associate pastor. Um, so we are in the middle of this Sabbath series. Last week, I took some time to point out two interrelated pieces to the Sabbath command that we see in the text, the command to remember and the command to observe. And last week, we talked about how in that command to remember, God is pointing us to some specific things. He's pointing us to remember first who he is, the creator God, the giver of life. And he also is pointing us to remember what he has done in our lives, the things that he has brought us out of. And finally, we, we saw that he is also commanding us to remember our community and to be looking for ways to bring Sabbath rest to our community. So as promised, today we're going to start that topic of observing Sabbath. And some of you I know are probably like, finally, finally we're getting here. Now I will know what I'm supposed to do. Now I know I'll find out what it's supposed to look like. And I get it. I understand. It's kind of been, for some of us, like those gymnasium lights that we grew up with in, in grade school. That you had to turn on 26 hours before you actually wanted to use the gym. You know the ones I'm talking about. Some of us have been sitting in here, kind of sitting in it like that. We are just waiting for the lights to come on so that we can be able to see what we're supposed to do and engage in what God is calling us to do. But what I want you guys to realize, and what I hope that you see throughout the course of this series, what we've done so far and what we're going to be doing, is that Sabbath is far deeper and far more complex than just the definition of ceasing to work. And those are the things that come into my mind when I've had conversations over the last couple of weeks when people are like, how do I rest? How do I Sabbath? What does that look like? What am I supposed to do? What am I not supposed to do? And my first thought is, I don't know. I don't know what rest looks like for you. I don't know what is going to restore your soul. For example, mowing the lawn. Uh, Josh has shared in our sermon club the last couple that we've been doing over the last month. For him, when he lived back in Montana, mowing the lawn was something that brought great rest. He looked forward to it, to jump on his mower and run around his yard for a couple hours. No distractions, nothing pulling at his, his mind. For me, that brings me no rest. Like, I get anxious when I think about going out to mow my lawn. And most of that anxiety comes from the fact that I know there is a very high probability that when I go out to mow my lawn that I'm going to run into a man-eating serpent the size of my leg in my backyard. And don't let my wife or my daughter mislead you and tell you that they're just baby gardener snakes. They're not. They're huge. They're dangerous. All right? My point is, 
Snakes are evil. It's in the text, Genesis 3, go find it, you'll see it, it's there. But seriously, what I'm saying is this, guys, Sabbath looks different for each one of us. It doesn't have to be the same. The thing that brings rest to you may not be the thing that brings rest to me. So that's one of the things I want us to keep in our mind as we're talking about this. And we've been building principles. We've been adding principles to what Sabbath is in our lives over the last couple of weeks. And there's one more thing that I want us to keep in the forefront of our minds as we start to really dial down what Sabbath can look like in your lives. And there's some words from Jesus. And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 11. Now, this happens to be right before that passage that we read last week in Matthew 12, where we saw Jesus interacting with some different Pharisees, and he heals uh, a crippled man on Sabbath. Just before that happens, this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. As I read this, for me, it kind of acts as a, a, a caution sign, a warning from Jesus to not fall into the same traps and mistakes that the Pharisees did. The guys that we talked about last week who, out of a heart to obey God and show them how much they loved him, they lost the forest for the trees. And they made it all about the rules and regulations that they were building around Sabbath. If you ever get to a point in your practice of Sabbath where Sabbath is observing you, instead of you observing Sabbath, you might want to stop. You might want to step back and remember those words of Jesus. He will bring rest to your soul. His burden is easy and his yoke is light. Or the other way around. So, With that, in our mind, the forefront of our mind, let's start to build what a practical expression of Sabbath can look like that is not burdensome, that brings rest, that brings life. So we ask the question, how do I Sabbath? How can I find rest? And I believe the answer begins with establishing a rhythm of rest in our lives. Brad Gray does a teaching about this exact thing. It's in your notes at the bottom. To, you can go to his website, check it out. It's really cool. But he shares about this analogy a guy had given him years before, before that I wanted to share with you guys. If I take, I don't have the, the neat little drum that he uses, but if I clap like this, I've just created a rhythm. I've strung some beats together, but that rhythm is not very sustainable. 
If I stood up here and tried to do that for 30 minutes straight, one, it would probably annoy you guys. But I don't know how long I'd make it before I got tired. But if I clap something like this, there's a difference there, right? That one doesn't feel as chaotic. And the difference is the rest, the break between the beats. Brad says the break gives the beat its soul. And so just like with music, we need breaks to, to make it make sense, for it to be enjoyable. We need a break in our lives. Because we can have a rhythm of life that is constant and fast-paced and there's no rest, but we are not getting any rest for our souls. So... Let's talk about what it looks like to establish a rhythm of rest in our lives. And there are a lot of aspects, I think, that go with this, but I want to focus on just three different things. The first thing is, in order to establish a rhythm of rest in your life, you have to be intentional. You have to be intentional. And I think that intentionality starts with actually Picking a day to observe Sabbath. Picking a time that you want to start your Sabbath rest. Now, we could be literalists and say, well, God said, work six days, rest on the seventh. Our calendar is Sunday to Saturday. That means we rest on Saturday. Saturday is the Sabbath. Or we could say, well... The church has been observing Sunday as Sabbath for how many centuries? Maybe that's the right day. Well, what time am I supposed to start? Am I supposed to go from sundown to sundown, like our uh, spiritual mentors, the Jews? Or do I start it when I wake up that morning? What do I do? We can easily get stuck going down this deep, dark rabbit hole here. Even in this first stage. But remember what Jesus said. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So should we waste a bunch of time arguing about what day is the right day to Sabbath? Aren't we just burdening ourselves with stuff that we don't need to? I think so. I think we can go past that. Because the truth is, not, not all of us in here have the same schedule, do we? Some of us here are farmers. We have ranchers. We have stay-at-home parents. We have people that work multiple jobs. We have the normative work schedule in here, too. Five days work, two days off. You got to find the day that works best for your schedule. If you're working Tuesday to Sunday, maybe it's Sunday or Monday, or Tuesday through Saturday, maybe it's Sunday or Monday. Find the day that works best for you. 
And if you don't live by yourself, if you have a family, I would highly encourage you to talk with your spouse about that. Talk with your kids. What's a good day for us to do this together? Maybe you're single and you have roommates, and they're trying to figure out Sabbath too. Include them into it. Remember the community. You don't have to do this alone. But once you establish the day, once you pick the day, once you pick the time, whether you're starting at sundown or you're starting the morning of after, the next thing I think we can do to really make our Sabbath rhythm rhythm intentional is by actually implementing something that signifies the beginning of Sabbath. And we were kind of talking about this in our life group this past week as we're discussing what it means to bring rest to our community And one of the couples in the group was sharing what they were doing in their household. Like, this is new to us. We've never done this. We're trying to figure out how to do this. And we want to be more intentional. We want to include our kids into this. And we're just trying to figure out what that looks like. And through the course of discussion, they remembered how back during Advent season, the kids really loved lighting the candles for Advent. It was really impactful for them to remember all of those themes of Advent, of hope, love, peace, and joy. And they're like, I I know that there is a tradition within the Jewish community to light candles to start Sabbath. Maybe we'll try that. And so they are. They're going to give that a shot. They're trying to be more intentional, include their kids in the practice of Sabbath. Maybe that's something you can try as you are trying to find ways to intentionally start your Sabbath day. Maybe you light candles. Maybe you find a liturgical prayer that you like that you want to say at the beginning of each thing. Maybe you have a meal with your family. Maybe it looks like something that happens every Friday night at the Western Wall in Jerusalem. A friend of mine was telling me about when he was over there at a, for a study trip, trip in Israel, and they got to Jerusalem just as Sabbath was about to start, and as soon as it started, people are, are hooping and hollering, they're dancing, they're singing, they're laughing, and they are just so full of joy. All of the worries of the previous six days were gone, and they were just basking and celebrating in God's rest. Whatever it is that you choose to do, just make it a meaningful thing. Make it meaningful. Which leads me to the second part of how to establish a rhythm of rest is be or make it substantial. And when I think of the word substantial, when I hear that, I usually think of something that's big, something that's grand, um, something that's solid. And that is at play here, but also I think the most important thing is that you make it meaningful. Make it something that is out of the ordinary from your usual day. Maybe that's as simple as choosing to sleep in past the day, the time that you usually do during the week. Maybe you don't do laundry. Maybe you don't clean the house. It looks different for all of us, but what are the things that would really make Sabbath different? than the other six days for you. Find that thing. Try that out. Keep it substantial. 
Because when Sabbath is a big deal for us, when it's important to us, when we can celebrate when it happens, then it becomes a part of everything that we do. It's easy for us to observe Sabbath every week when it means something special. The third part about establishing a rhythm is to make it sustainable. Make it sustainable. As I said that, I had the thought of somebody, and maybe there's not anybody in here thinking this, but I probably would have thought this. I'm like, oh man, I can do this Sabbath thing. I got all kinds of great ideas. I'm going to start on Friday night as soon as the sun goes down, and I'm going to be lighting candles, saying a prayer at the same time as I sit down at the table, had a five-course meal, and then the family's going to go into the living room and we're going to do a dance party. It's going to be epically substantial and intentional. That might not be the wisest way to start this. We want to make sure that as we start this discipline of Sabbath, that it's something that can be maintained, something that can be done each and every week. We want to learn to crawl before we walk, before we run in this discipline. We do that in a lot of things in our lives, right? I remember a few months ago, in one of the many times that I've tried to reestablish exercise in my life, I decided I was going to go lift with a buddy from Life Group. Showed up. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to show up. I get there. I'm like, all right, dude, let's do this. Chest, back, thighs, what are we doing? Legs. Ugh. If you guys know, legs suck. That was the worst thing to start out with. But I am a prideful man, and I was not going to be outdone. It had been months since I stepped foot in the gym. My buddy had been there for a year straight, but I'm going to keep up with him. And I did everything I could, including almost puke by the end of it. And for four days afterwards, I'm regretting every decision I made that morning as I'm taking one stair at a time up to my bedroom, using both hands to lower myself onto a chair. We got to too much too fast. Too much too fast. We have to make sure that whatever we establish is something that we can do each and every week Because if we do something that blows us out of the water the first go-around, what is our likelihood of trying to do that the next week? Not very high. So there you have it. This is how we can make, this is how we can do Sabbath. We can do Sabbath by starting to establish a rhythm of rest in our lives. A rhythm that's intentional. A rhythm that is substantial and a rhythm that is sustainable. But I know there are some of us who are still sitting there thinking, that was okay, but it didn't hit the mark for me. Because for you, maybe the question isn't, how do I Sabbath? It's more, how can I Sabbath? How can I possibly stop 
for a full day to do nothing. If I don't work for seven days straight, I may not get enough money to pay my bills. I may not be able to put food on the table for my family. Or maybe you're on the other side of that spectrum. And you're like, if I'm not doing something, I feel like a lazy bum. Maybe you're thinking, if I don't do the laundry that day, my kids won't have clothes. There's a lot of guilt that we can heap on ourselves in that question of how can I possibly Sabbath? And I don't want to minimize the struggle that you are in and will be in as you try to find what it looks like to rest if you're in that situation. But I got to ask you, how can you not rest? How can you not? Abraham Joshua Heschel in his book, The Sabbath, writes, the world would not be complete if the six days did not culminate in the Sabbath. This is true for us as well. This is true for us as well. If we do not take time to cease what we're doing, to rest, we'll not be complete either. We will not be complete either. And look, I know it's super difficult for us, especially as American Christians, because we have bought in hook, line, and sinker the lie that you are defined by what you can produce. You are defined by what you can acquire. And it is hard to trust sometimes that things are going to be completed like they're supposed to be. And we just in this rat race where we don't feel like we can afford to stop and we got to keep going. There are a lot of things that I don't understand about God, one of which is how he does math. Like I went to school to be a math teacher. I got my degree in mathematics so I can with certainty tell you that two plus two is four. It's one of the main things I learned there. But that doesn't always line up with God. Sometimes two plus two is equal to three or five or 55. God's economy, less is more. And I've seen this throughout my walk with him, especially in tithing. Like, I don't understand how with only 90% of my income, I can still have not only the things that I need, but many of the times the things that I want. God has blessed my family for so long, even when I've gone back and looked at budget stuff and like, there's no way we should have been able to do this. Our income was less than what our bills were, but we never went into debt with that. How in the world did that work out? And I believe that principle is true with regards to Sabbath. 
somehow you can get more done if you only work six days. Somehow, somehow you don't have to worry about all of those to-dos that you have on the list, the work project, the projects at home, all of the things that you're thinking about throughout the week that you want to accomplish on your days off, somehow those things will be okay. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I find it difficult still to do that. My mind tends to go to the place where I'm like, I've got to do something. I can't. I can't just stop or else it won't get done. Like yesterday, I'm sitting on my chair, looking out the window, and it's blue skies and sunny. I'm like, this is finally the perfect day to take down my Christmas lights. But I'm like, but I'm supposed to be Sabbathing. But if I don't do it now, who knows when I'll have a day like this again. It could be April, could be May, and then I'll be that weird neighbor with his lights still on his house. Sabbath is a process that we have to build ourselves up to sometimes. If you're still sitting there thinking to yourself, I still don't get it. What am I supposed to do? I need a concrete answer, Adam. Tell me what I can and can't do. Okay. I'll give you one more thing. I talked to, I shared a book with you guys last week from Mark Buchanan called uh, The Sabbath uh, Sabbath Rest, Restoring Your Soul. And in that book, he gives what he calls the golden rule of Sabbath. So here it is. The golden rule of Sabbath is to cease from that which is necessary and to embrace that which gives life. Stop doing the things you think are necessary and find the things that will bring you life and do those instead. But be careful. Be careful not to blur the lines between that which is necessary and that which gives life. Because I know there are some of us in here that really love their jobs, really love the thing that they do for work, And they would do it for seven days straight all the time. And some of you do. But when are you giving your body a chance to rest? When are you giving your mind a chance to stop thinking about work? When are you going to give your your soul, your, your spirit, the time to be restored if you don't stop and rest. We got to remember that Sabbath is an invitation from God into his rest, into his fullness, to trust that he will provide for your material needs, to trust that he's going to be bringing restoration into your life. 
the writer of Hebrews, in chapter 4, starting at verse 9, says this. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. It's there for the taking. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest. Are you making every effort to enter that rest? Are you finding the things that are bringing you life to replace the things that you feel are necessary? Are you willing to be intentional with your time of rest? Are you willing to make it substantial and meaningful and make it something that you can continue to do? My hope and prayer is that we all will, that we will all make every effort to put God on display, to enter into his rest and be restored. We're going to go to our time of communion. So if you have your stuff, you want to grab it and start opening it up. If you're joining us for the first time, here at Real Life, we practice what we call an open table. And all that means is we don't require you to be a member a partner, as we call it here, of real life in order to take communion with us. We just ask that you have made the decision to partner and become a member of God's family. So just like Sabbath, communion each week gives us the opportunity to take a moment and stop and reflect recenter ourselves with God and to remember what he's done in our life the last week and look forward to the things that he's going to do in the coming week. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body which is for you. Let's do this in remembrance of him. After the meal, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. Let us remember his sacrifice. Father God, I, Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to gather with this family. I am so grateful every week to stand here, to sing with my brothers and sisters, to know that there are people all over the community in the Northwest that are singing in their homes with us. Lord, it is so exciting to be a part of your family. It is so exciting that you love us so much that you tell us to take a day off. You care about us so much, you want us to work out of our rest, not work towards our rest. So God, I pray that as we walk out of here today, 
Lord, that we pick a time that works best for us, our schedule, our work schedule, to, to stop and spend time with you and rest. Lord, show each one of us how it is that we can make that substantial in our lives and how we can maintain that rhythm of rest in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.